Welcome to Ink and Magic, a podcast where we read and discuss the writing craft, world building, and romance of paranormal and fantasy novels. If you love books with bite, set in worlds of magic and mayhem, then you're in the right place. My name's Nikisha Shanae. I go by an S. And I'm Leslie. I write as Elle Penelope. And welcome to the show. Welcome back, everyone. We're so excited that you've joined us again for book three this week, Les. Yeah, Caressed by Ice, Judd's book. I I remember the first time I read through the series, I was really looking forward to Judd. I like the stoic, cold characters, you know, are going to be warmed by love. So I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about Judd and Brenna as well. And I've got lots to say, but I was really, I'm, I, I don't remember these prologues that Singh was doing. They all went over my head when I read it the first time. Mm-hmm. But she's always, it's almost like she's building a mystery and she's giving you an important piece of the clue mm-hmm. with every prologue that she does. And this prologue, it's, she's talking, talking about um, the Mercury project and those twins. Do you remember that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that basically this is how the arrows were born and the arrows were a secret squad to take care of anyone who was an enemy to the silence program. Yeah. And it's like an omniscient narrator. It's great information. It keeps you interested. It's, it's a great exercise in how to do a program. And it's short. Yes. It's very short, which is important. You don't need to go on and on about it, but it's telling a story that you don't know. And I wonder if there, as she goes along, you know, the, the books, all of them so far have had some kind of prologue. Mm-hmm. And it does. It makes you curious. It gives you important backstory, historical information told from sort of an omniscient lens. And I just wonder if that sort of narrator is going to become important at the end of the series, for example. That's a good point. I didn't think of it like that. I just thought of it as, hey, this is an important piece of information. Like a kind of like a teaser in TV. Yeah, like a cold open. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a cold open that takes place 100 years ago, but <laughs> it's really relevant to the story. <laughs> But yes, yeah, so we get this teaser, this cold open about um, Mercury and how the arrows came about. And we, I don't remember if we have confirmed that Judd was an arrow in the previous books, but it's definitely confirmed in this book. Yeah, I think you pretty much know, but I can't remember either if it's he actually says it. I don't think he ever actually, well, maybe in this at some point in this book he says it. Mm-hmm. But you know pretty much that, okay, yeah, that's what he is. And an arrow is an assassin. Mm-hmm. It's a trained Psy assassin. That's what he does. Like special forces, but only for assassinations. They're the most highly trained, most brutally trained. I mean, I think she kicks the brutality up a notch and it yes. just keeps going <laughs> in book four as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, they're love stories and there's a lot of the family and like the things that balance out the gritty brutality of it all. But it's it's being kicked up a notch. It is. So we should engage tr- uh, tr- uh, trigger warnings. So if and if you read the first book, the heroine of this book is the woman that was the victim in the first book. This is her love story. So she was victimized and she talks about what happened to her mm-hmm. in this book. And I'll warn you for the book four as well. It, it, it another victim of mm-hmm. childhood child abuse. Right. Yeah. So she's delving into, I guess, narratives of healing and like how the women, but in the men too, I mean, everybody basically in these worlds are traumatized heavily, but how they, the ones that successfully get out of it, like how does that happen? What does that look like? What does it require? And I feel like we're jumping the gun just a a little bit, but, but since we're bringing it up, I think it's, I think it's important. I don't know what Nalini Singh's background was before she became an author, 
but she has a very deft hand as she is handling these abuse victims and showing them grow. Mm-hmm. It's really masterfully done. So even if you have those trigger warnings, it, maybe it will help you to know that she does she does not gloss over anything. She handles things delicately, but she puts it out there. She shows she shows the result of this trauma, and she shows these the characters arcing and growing from it. Yeah, but it's never detailed, really. I mean, it's the the, the results of it are detailed. Mm-hmm. Like you see the impact that these events have had on Brenna. But it's never like she's giving you, like, you know, things that are going to stick in your mind, um, which I appreciate. You know, I don't want certain images in my head. Yeah. So let's meet Brenna. (laughs) Since we're talking about her behind her back, let's meet her. Brenna is, um, she's one of the snow dancer wolves. We've Mm -hmm. been in the, um, we've been in Lucas's pack. Dark River. For, we've been in Dark River for the first two books, and this is the first time that we enter Snowdancer territory, and we figure out what it's go- what's going on there, and what life is like in that particular uh, group of changelings. And, and also, they live together in this. I don't know what it is. I feel like it's a network of caves. In my mind, it was like they're all underground, and yeah. everyone has their own apartment, and there's yeah. like rooms and things, but it's a compound. Whereas the Dark River people all have their own houses and trees, you know, <laughs> the wolves live all together in this underground compound. And that's also kind of different because you're seeing a lot more of the pack life than you have in the first two books. Yeah, you're that's the very true. Day to day, which I appreciate. It's like third book, you're expanding the world, you're getting more detailed, and it's time to kind of see how these people actually live and move through the world. She was expanding the world. There are more, it's peopled more. So Brenna, poor Brenna, she's got two older brothers who dog her. They are on her. And it's understandable that they're on her every step. She just went through a traumatic experience and they almost lost hers. But even before this, these were like the big brothers who were, who would, in my family, (laughs) we had, I lived in a, and I lived in a small town. But I lived in an even smaller like community in that small town, and I had family at every corner. <laughs> and so when I was a little girl, and not so little, like you know, come prepubescent, and if a guy ever came around was saying hi to me or sniffing me out or anything like that, my father, my uncles, my brothers would start to bark. I am not kidding. Like literally bark. Like literally bark until the oh, boys wow. went away. Yes. Wow. So I feel you, Brenna. Yeah, you feel the pain. I did not have that. That is fascinating. Although my father was uh, in law enforcement. He was a Secret Service agent. So whenever guys would come to take me out, he would like sit them down and have a talk and make sure that they saw his gun. (laughs) So that was a version of barking, I guess. So Brenna's Brenna's a wolf and her brothers are wolves. So yeah, she she has very overprotective brothers. And again, for a reason, she was just abducted and brutalized um but in the meet cute of this story which happens very fast we um was not really the meet cute because they know each other they you know the thing about this is there is no meet cute because they have been in each other's orbit since she was rescued in one i feel like it's still a meet cute because it's the first time that we're seeing them together as the readers on the page so um we are seeing judd after he has a fight with this other young wolf named Ty, and it was over dominance, but we don't exactly know why, which I thought was brilliant, because Nalini Singh will bring this back around, mm-hmm. why that fight happened. Um, but Brenna, she tries to care for Judd after this fight, 
and immediately um we see also that that's there's a death in the snow dancer on the territory so a wolf has died has and been killed has been ki- he has been killed and judd tries to shield her from the dead body but brenna immediately says i saw this like in her mind she had a vision of it mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think it's interesting that they have you know we start in chapter one you know they have some sort of pre-existing relationship because he he being Psy and one of the few Psy in this community of wolves and still in silence, not like the kids that, that came with him, uh, is not accepted by the wolves. And so, but when we we see Brenna, she already cares about him. She's already concerned about him. And he's already concerned about her too, even though he believes he's still silent. Because yeah, he doesn't want her to... Uh, to see the you know dead body dead body to be re-traumatized and also to humiliate herself because she freaks out and he kind of snaps her out of it kind of coldly but knowing that okay she's not going to like the fact that she completely freaked out in front of all these people and they're looking at her so I I, I don't I love seeing meet cues on the page I always feel a little bit bereft when I don't get that first that first eye contact that first meeting because we never ever see that we don't really get a flashback exactly of what happened. We're told what happened. Like he was there when she was rescued and he helps her healing process by giving energy to Sasha, the other side who actually did, you know, her emotional healing work. Um, But I do, and it it wasn't appropriate in this book. It just kind of drops you into a couple already trying to figure things out, you know? That's a lot to unpack. There is the, the notion that Judd is still in silence and he won't let it go. Mm-hmm. There's the notion of the rescue. So, cause I felt like this was very much kind of a savior victim kind of romance. From... What and, does that and, mean? And, we can, and I'll come back to that in just a second. But the other thing that I wanted to unpack is, is um, that Judd came into this new situation for his family. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I take that <laughs> kind of in order, reverse order, um, Judd is here. He's in Snowdancer because of um, his family was going to be rehabilitated. His family of Psy. They not found just that. Wrong. I think they were going to be killed, not just rehabilitated. I think they actually were sentenced to death, weren't they? I can't remember if it was death or rehabilitation, okay. which is kind of the same. Kind of the same thing, yeah. Yeah. but And it's kids. It's him, his um, brother, and um, the his brother's children, and a niece. I think yeah. it was five of them. And they were going to be rehabilitated, including Judd, who was an arrow, who was a very valuable asset to the size. They were like, there's a flaw. Y'all have to go. But he was and, given a choice not to be. I think. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah, that comes out. Like, he actually chose to go with them. He, because he's an arrow, because they spent so much on him, they were going to give him a pass, essentially. So. Okay. I forgot that. But he, he he chooses to go with. He makes the choice. To, a sigh makes the choice in silence. He wasn't family. like Faith. He's not like Sasha. He wasn't breaking out. He actually like his whole wound. His whole motivation during this whole book is that he can't break silence because he believes it'll turn him into this monstrous killer that he won't be able to control himself. Mm-hmm. So, but even with that, he did a very non-silent thing yes. when he left with his family. Yes, left with his family to take care of his family, and then he comes and one of the first things that he does is he helps to rescue this woman. Mm-hmm. He uh, It's never really uh, talked into detail what happens with Enrique. Enrique was the um, the counselor who perpetuated the crimes in um, the first book, the crime against Brenna. But 
we do know that um, Judd was there. And then we also learn that he did help Sasha by feeding her energy. So he was in the room as Brenna was healing. And so this is why I think that she somehow latched on to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, but that can't be all of it. Like if it's just a, a matter of he was there when she was healing and he, and that's the only reason I didn't get Not that the only reason, but I think, I think that that was an initial thing. Maybe so. And that's why you think it's like a savior or victim mm-hmm. kind of narrative. Like she just latched onto the man who saved her. Yeah. I don't want to call it Stockholm because she, he didn't hurt her. He tried to heal mm-hmm. her. So I don't think it's Stockholm, but I think she sees him as his, as her savior. I feel like for me, I don't like that. Like because- I didn't way but that doesn't when when a romance is just like oh you are my savior i'm gonna glom on to you that gives her less agency it gives Mm -hmm. the the relationship less vitality and like truth i think i mean yes she saw him as strong as you know someone that that would protect her that she could be safe with she felt very safe with him and probably that's why like subconsciously remembering him being there when she was rescued but i think it's on their own merits like for whatever reason she's drawn to him because of his own merits. And I think that makes for a better love story in my mind. I, I agree. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I, okay. But, but I, I, I think we both can be right at the same time. Because <laughs> I think that she did see him as a savior. And she we can see her not wanting to be seen as weak. He mm-hmm. can see her not wanting to be seen as weak. And all throughout this book, she proves that she is not, she's constantly railing against, I am not weak. I am yeah. a strong snow dancer woman. So mm-hmm. I didn't see her. So victim was the wrong, wrong word for me to use, but I still think savior is, is, is a huge part of their love story. That's interesting. <laughs> I guess it's like a personal pet peeve. Like I, I'm not mm-hmm. attracted to savior stories, mm-hmm. but I do like this one. So I'm not viewing it through that lens, but mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you're wrong. Cause that's the lens you're viewing it through. So <laughs> maybe others will view it through that lens too. <laughs> if only people could disagree the way that we do. Leslie. <laughs> That's their meet cute. That's how they are introduced to the readers as um, Judd fighting, Brenna seeking him out, and then there being a dead body. Because, of course, it's Nalini saying, and there needs to be a dead body as a subplot in the background as these two people fall in love with each other. Although I feel like she, as with each book, she gets a little bit more concerned with the external plot. You know, we're getting <laughs> okay. POVs from the actual killer. We don't know who he is yet, but we do get a few POVs from the killer this time. We did not get that in book one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm blanking on book two. Uh, but I don't think there was a, bo- a dead mm-hmm. body in book two. No. But yeah, so there's a little bit more focus on the plot. And we actually, you know, skip to the end. We see more of the actual end of that plot line of that subplot with mm-hmm. this killer so mm-hmm. she does seem to be like okay now she's paying a little bit more attention to this ex- exterior plot true i think another thing that really interested me as brenna and judd were falling in love um judd is of course trying to resist it because eo feelings but and also he thinks he's going to murder her <laughs> A little bit more than ew feelings. It's like, if I break silence, I will kill the people closest to me. Yes. And Judd keeps a pretty big secret from her for a long time as they're going through this mating dance that he's actively trying to resist. And she's like, no, you're dancing. You're on my dance card. You're dancing with me. <laughs> We're doing this. We're doing this. Whether you like it or not, sir. <laughs> so Brenna's, um, her her wounds are psychic. This, mm-hmm. this um, 
cardinal T Enrique was a cardinal TK telekinetic psi and he brutalized her on the psychic plane mm-hmm. and one of the ways that Brenna is trying to heal herself is with touch because she is a changeling and she's getting the touch from you know family from pack but she craves it from Judd and yeah we have another situation where just like faith you know, Judd has named it. What did he call it? I can't remember now. But the pain that he gets from touch. Dissonance. Dissonance, yes. Because of his, you know, he's got a lot more and different training than either of the side we've been following up until now. And so he can control his pain, but it's literally causing him pain, just like with Faith. But he withstands it because, to a certain degree, because he knows uh, it helps Brenna. It becomes, that dissonance becomes so important. We will come back around yes, yes. to that. Just hold, please. <laughs> we'll come back around to, to judge dissonance. Um, some other things that get introduced here um, in this book, we get introduced to Caleb Karchuk. Yes, POV from Caleb. Mm-hmm. We also get introduced to the ghost. The first time we meet the ghost or even hear about the ghost, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the reason that we hear about the ghost is because of protocol one, Mm -hmm. which is the, the psi are trying to introduce um, a hive mind. So instead of each psi logging into the net and being connected and that having their psychic minds connected, they're going to, they want to implement just one mind. By like an implant, like a brain implant at birth, basically, which would, and it would make them a hive mind. But of course, someone's going to have control. So there's going to mm-hmm. be the queen bees who are controlling everyone else. And it just becomes mm-hmm. no individuality. Even under silence, they're still individuals. That would go away under protocol one. So Judd is against this. We know the ghost is some mysterious psi figure who's working against this actively. Which is so interesting to me because he, the ghost and Judd, and the ghost identifies as he. Um the ghost Judd sees the ghost does he I want to go back and see like does he because if he saw him he might recognize him no we don't I didn't finish the series so I don't I never found out who the ghost was I had my suspicions as I went through so no spoilers for those of you who know as we go through the series but um I thought the ghost stayed in the shadows now I'd have to reread it again I I feel like he heard his voice like they were speaking Mm -hmm. together but I'm not sure. I thought they met in the church, and I may be conflating different books. I, they did. possible. I believe they met in the church, but I thought he was like in the shadows, in the shadows? In the corners. You could be. You could totally be right. So this, these are the miss. These are the secret missions that Judd is going on. He is. He's working with the ghost and another ally to try to take down this notion of Protocol One, which he vehemently disagrees with. And I thought it was interesting because Judd. Because Hawk, remember, Hawk is the alpha of the Snowdancer pack. And Hawk has this really powerful man amongst his pack, which is one of the reasons why we meet Judd fighting another wolf. And one of the things that's really interesting is the pack hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And everyone's trying to figure out, well, well, where does Judd belong? Like, what is his place? You have to have a place right. in this society. And he's purposefully kept himself on the outside. He's in all these fights because he's not accepted, but he wants to stay that way because silence, but also his own reasons. And, and so that becomes, you know, by the end of the book, he has to accept a place. But I think it makes it makes the changelings nervous on a you know intrinsic level that here's just very powerful, very strong soldier, but he's not within our hierarchy. So that has to be corrected at some point. And they should be like they're right to be nervous because we see as the reader, Judd's loyalty is to the ghost. It's not to Hawk. 
Not it's initially. Not not initially, but it's also to his family. Like he's True. not willing to do anything that's going to jeopardize the kids or his brother. So he, I think his loyalty is always split. And then when Brenna comes in, it becomes all about Brenna. So he'll mm-hmm. do whatever he has to do to keep that. And that includes being accepted by the pack. Um, but also so somewhere in here, Brenna says that she's attracted to Judd's strength, you know? And I think that in terms of talking about, okay, savior, there's a difference between loving someone or being in love because they they see them as a savior and they helped you in your darkest moments. Mm-hmm. And also he, the difference between that and someone who is just strong, like she is trying to find and maintain her own inner strength and outer mm-hmm. strength. And I think she's just naturally attracted to someone who presents strength in the way that Judd does. Yeah. So that's another kind of foundational element to their relationship. I agree because all these, all these female wolves there, we haven't met a, a submissive wolf. There's no um, betas. There's no omegas. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Nalini Singh does that. <laughs> <laughs> Even the healers. Uh-uh. They yeah, are like, they're like no. they're not taking anything. Mm-mm. So um, as as Hawk is trying to settle Judd into a, a role, um, he gives him a, a mission. Mm-hmm. But... He gives him this what looks like a soldiery mission, but it's out. It's a cabin in the woods. He has to go to a cabin in the woods, <laughs> right? And here comes Brenna. Where's Where's Judd? And Hawk tells her because Judd is wants this mission. Judd wants the mission to get away from her. He's trying to like put space <laughs> between them, and I think he tells Hawk that, and Hawk, and Hawk just goes around and tells sure. Brenna. Sure, <laughs> like that's not going to work. No. <laughs> So of course, um, Brenna finds uh, Judd in this cabin in the woods where there's only one dead. <laughs> only one that. dead. It's yes. the best. It's the best. But it, the, they unfortunately they don't end up in the bed at that point. But <laughs> there's my favorite. There's my new favorite thing that happens in there. There's domestic porn. Ah, it's my favorite. So <laughs> he feeds her. Is that what happened? I can't remember now. Okay, so they're in the cabin. Um, and they're 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 kind of making it homey. There's this thing called the Lay's Fire, and they build a Lay's Fire, and I love it. Um, <laughs> so they're 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 getting cozy in the home, even though he's like, "Girl, you're here." She's like, right. yeah, "I'm here." Secretly, he's happy to see her. <laughs> yes, and then there's um. Because this is, again, it's Nalini saying, and it's a lot of suspense going on here. There's, there's, there's an um, there's intruders that they have to attack. Yeah, this is also where we start to see just in how incredibly powerful Judd is, right? Because he basically teleports Brenna away from danger, mm-hmm. and we didn't know he could do that, and she certainly didn't know that he could do that. Now it, it like like drains his power, but he's able to get her away from danger, which brings up two issues. The two issues are number two. That he flames out, which we'll come back into in just a second. But number one, he's a TK, and and she he did not tell her that. And remember, her abuser was a right. TK, right? And yeah, she she discovers that and feels betrayed by him. Feels mm-hmm. like he should have told her. Um, now at this point, I feel like I was writing. I really needed them to kiss already. <laughs> there's a lot of sexual tension, and it's fine, you know. But it was driving me nuts. <laughs> Okay, which brings us back to that flame out. Because remember, um, there Judd was experiencing dissonance any time that Brenna was touching him or getting too close. Because Sai are at birth, they are well at some point when they're children, they began the program of training the emotions out of them. And anytime they experience emotions, they it's countered with dissonance, which is like pain, like a pain response, like Pavlov's dog. Yeah, Pavlovian, exactly. Yeah. 
which is awful. But he uses his power to such an extent that he flames out after there's a there's a hyena attack on on him and, and Brenna, and he uses his power to teleport Brenna to safety, and he, and he flames out, and he's just emotion and anger, and he needs to be alone and he needs to be silent after this, which of course is not going to work for Brenna. They're back in the in the pack. They're back in the compound. Right. Okay. And they're in they're in Brenna's they're in Brenna's bed. Mm-hmm. Just laying down, sleeping, nothing, no hanky panky is happening. Because and he's recovering from he's still recovering. Okay. And there's another dream walking where he has yeah. a nightmare. And that she sees. Because she has some sort of uh, Ernesto, that's not his name, right? Enrique. Enrique. Enrique opened up some sort of psychic ability within her that she can see as dreams. Yeah, another dream is that's I mean, I don't know how much more common it's going to be in the series to have this like shared dream experience. I- yeah, I don't know, but this is not a Sasha Lucas dream. This, unfortunately, is not a sexy dream. This is a nightmare, and it's not only a nightmare, but it's really interesting that Judd dreams in black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and she enters this this dream that he has. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating. The, the The color is gone because of the silence. You know, it's like his brain can't see. Or can't dream in color, and Sai and Sai don't are not supposed to dream at all. Mm-hmm. So the fact that even dreaming in black and white seems to be mm-hmm. against what the Sai are supposed to be doing. Another tidbit that Nalini saying drops at some point around this time is that Sai also can't sing because they don't have any vocal range; their voices are flat. I thought that I thought that was just fascinating. <laughs> But as we, as, as, as Judd is basically, as, as Brenna is forcing herself on him, Judd starts to, um, he keeps experiencing the dissonance, but it, it gets not necessarily less and less, but he is able to tolerate it more and more. And he starts to break down, which he thinks is dangerous, but he's still starting to, to slowly trust his instincts over the silence. And he knows that, um, when he when he flames out like that, the dissonance is gone temporarily. Well, I think that that happens later. I thought that initially with the dissonance, he's afraid it will kill him. Like for a long time, it's like his his ears are bleeding. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if I keep doing this, if she keeps touching me, my brain will just turn into mush, you know? So it's not like he's dealing with it any better the more he gets the more she touches him, he's just willing to withstand it because he likes her touch. Right. He he's willing to it. withstand it. But when, when, like when he flamed out, he can't, he, the way that I read it is that he couldn't feel anything temporarily. Right. That, but that's, that is a little bit later. I don't know. What chapter are we on now? I don't know what chapter. Okay. <laughs> I know he flamed out after There's- the hyena attack and he, he went by himself for a while. And then yes. he came back to her. And then he came back. So, but that's not when he was like, oh, I want to flame out all the time because there's a flame out before the sex scene. That's later. Yes. yes. Yeah. So he we we saw him flame out and go off by himself. Right. And because then he had to be unconscious. Like he he's, he's gonna be dead to the world. He needs to find a safe place to recuperate. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the church at that point. Mm-hmm. He goes to a room in the church with the 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 father who was helping him in the ghost. And then he comes back, he's okay. Mm-hmm. So and he doesn't comes really back at that point, that first. Yeah, that first flame out, he doesn't really know that he can touch Brenna during that period. No, but he that they he does that is that is when they um are just sleeping in the same bed together. But he doesn't think of doing anything more than that. Okay. And then um the next time that he flames out, I I'm interested in going to the next time. That well, actually, no, no, I I take that back. 
Um, because I do think that it was interesting that that around this time that we learned, because there's always a dead body, it's somewhere in an Alini Singh's book, whether we see it or not. But we learned that this killer this time, because there's only been side killers, but this killer is a changeling. Yeah. And we've gotten a couple of those POVs. So we know he had something to do with uh, Enrique, um, Brenna's you know, tormentor, and he's afraid of getting caught. He knows Brenna knows something. So he they get little glimpses of him and his motivation. But yeah, he's a wolf. And that's a huge betrayal also, because from what we know of the wolf, the pack, you know, they're, it's supposed to be this family. It's supposed to be this tight knit group of people who care about each other. But of course, they're just like anyone else. There's going to be bad seeds and bad apples and all of that. And Jed starts piecing this together. And he realizes that the, the danger is coming from within the house or right. from within the den. Um, and he puts up, he basically does the loaded gun thing, meaning, you know, whenever you see a loaded gun on the screen, you know, at some point it's going to go off. Well, Judd puts up an alarm system on Brenna's uh, door mm -hmm. that he has access to it so that he will know when something goes wrong. And so that's just laying in the back of your mind, just ticking, 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 ticking that at some point this gun is going to go off at some point. Um, when Judd figures out this has to be coming from within the den they decide to, to, to try to lure whoever this is out. And they do that by sending Brenna's brothers away. They're like, the, whoever is doing this, they know that if your brother's around, they're going to they're gonna keep to themselves. But they might slip up if it looks like you and your brothers are having some kind of a riff. So the brothers go away. But at some point, um, Brenna and her brothers are back together. And they're on the road. And Judd knows that they're taking too long. And it comes to pass that the um, the villain, who we still don't know who he is, but the villain takes a shot at Brenna and misses and hits her brother. Well, he doesn't miss. Like Her brother literally puts himself in the way of the bullet and he's shot in the heart. And I think that at that point, Judd, they, they're connected, mm -hmm. even though, you know, they're a big bonded. part of it. What? They're bonded. Well, they don't know it. A big part of the problem is that there's no mating bond. Like Brenna's like, I, I know that this is he's the one for me, but I think one of her wounds in this book is that there's no mating bond and she's confused and she's like, what am I going to do? But she's willing to, she cares enough about him to want to push forward anyway. So there is some sort of bond because he feels, you know, Judd recognizes, senses, something is wrong. Something is wrong. And he has to go find her. And then he finds her and her brother is not breathing. And then he uses his not just a TK, TK cell. You know, he's got this extra designation that's ex extra rare. We can literally manipulate the cells of the body. And he rebuilds Andrew's heart, Brenna's brother, and like brings him back from the dead, essentially, like Jesus or something. Talk right. about savior narratives. Like, is mm -hmm. Judd a Jesus figure when he can fix people on a cellular level? Yes, it's competence porn to the max because we did forget to say that um, the reason that Brenna went out is because the side decided um, in retaliation for what was going on in the other two books um, and the and the changelings um, coming for them, the side decided to pit the changelings against each other. So that's why the hyenas attacked and there's other changelings that are, there's there's movements and shifting going around that the side are trying to pit Changeling, changelings against each other and the changelings decide oh you want to play that game and they decide to go for the size data centers which brenna is excellent at because we love competence porn so brenna is a great 
programmer she's like a master hacker you know that was she was going to school for that when she was originally abducted and so mm -hmm. yeah we find out she whatever version of programming is in this futuristic world she's excellent at it and she, she can do anything tech wise so. so she was on that mission when this happened and now we see judd who is not just tk but he's beyond competent of tk because we <laughs> love our competence porn over here in romance landia yeah and i thought that it was also interesting somewhere around here you know, Brenna, what Judd tells Brenna that he could destroy her with a thought. Yeah. And, but also later she literally says he could destroy her with a few careless comments. So she's not concerned about his TK abilities necessarily. She's more concerned about his, the coldness, the, his words and his not letting her in emotionally, which I thought was really interesting. Mm -hmm. It's like, you've got both of these things at play. She's not, she knows I think she knows viscerally, like on some sort of subconscious level, he'll never physically harm her. She does not believe that, but she believes that he would purposefully, like just not, by, by not accepting their relationship, even in a few careless comments that she yeah. can go back into some horrible hole. I wrote down that Judd tells her while Tamsin is healing him, um, because this happened on Dark River territory. So he was closest to the Dark River healer. He was, he was attacked. Judd was, was attacked. attacked. Yeah. When, when, um, when the brother was attacked before okay it's definitely before yeah okay but at some point he tell, he tells brenna i'd rather die than harm you but anyone else i will kill without thinking and i i felt like this made him a captive to his feelings mm. yeah it's also that sort of he believes he's a villain you know mm -hmm. and the idea that what is that that saying that a villain will burn down the world to save you you know um, save the person that he loves. And yeah. we know that Judd would do that. He would. He yeah. has no problem. Does he have a conscience? He has a conscience because he, he loves his family. But also he's very, he's fine with killing. And there's a certain point where mm -hmm. Brenna's like, I don't want you to have to kill someone else. He's like, well, this is just what I am. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. I was literally made for this. That's the only thing he believes that TK cells are good for. Now he's saving his her brother's life proves that, no, he had, there's a lot more that he could be doing with this that the Psy has been blind to. She almost takes off uh, Hawk's head because she thought that Hawk made him the snow dancer assassin. Mm -hmm, right. And she, yeah, she doesn't want him to have to kill just to, to have a place there. You know, she wants to save his soul, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. He doesn't necessarily believe he has one. So back back to a little bit more on the competence porn. <laughs> um, so the Psy are pitting the, trying to pit the changelings against each other and they programmed, they mind wiped the hyena changelings to make them think that um, snow dancer wolves were against them and that attacked their they, children. And yeah. And that's why they, they attacked and Judd goes in with Sasha and they start to try to deprogram these people, including the children, mm -hmm. which, whoa, whoa, they're, they're deprogramming minds. It's it, it, yeah. I think that, in this book and in the next one, like Nalini Singh is not afraid to kill a child, mm -hmm. you know, to terrorize these children because mm -hmm. the poor hyenas, some of their younglings were killed by Psy and they were sort of forced into this action and forced and mind controlled. And yeah, and there were all these like tripwire bombs inside their minds. Tripwires in your mind. And she does a good job making these sort of abstract concepts very visceral and easy to understand. You know, like we've talked about before, the sign that is like the internet, but there's firewalls and there's vaults and there's all of this imagery that you can see, even though we're talking about something happening on the mental plane. And this is the same way. 
So we've, you know, we have the, the Psy and specifically Sasha's mother, Nikita, is in charge of the entire plan to make Dark River and Snowdancer fight each other yeah. and basically destroy each other. So they're yeah. out of the way of the Psy. And it's it's pretty awful. Yeah. So I, I talked a little bit in the beginning about how um, Singh very carefully handles abuse victims, um, but she's not she's not she does not shy away from it. She does not shy away from it at all. So, so again, trigger warnings <laughs> that there is abuse that happens here. But we're getting close to the sexy times. And remember that Brenna was, she was a captive. And even though Singh makes it seem like Psy under silence aren't interested in sex, they're still curious beings. And Enrique was curious about how Brenna would respond to certain things. So Brenna alludes to not Enrique physically, doing anything to her but psychically doing things to her to test her limits so we had to contend with this knowledge before we got to the sexy times was that explained that it wasn't explained within close proximity on the page though i thought we had space between them actually having sex and her really detailing what happened to her i'm not i don't remember exactly how much but but there was there's a time where brenna and judd are are not speaking and Brenna decides that she is going to go and date right. someone else. Yes. Cause she, she kind of gives up on him and she's like, I'm she's going to make him jealous. That's, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. She wants to make him jealous. I don't know if she actually intends to go through with anything. Maybe she does. She's like, if I can't have him, I might as well keep it moving. And when changelings, they don't, Nalini says a lot that changelings like promiscuous isn't the right word, but they are very sexually free and sexually liberated. And it's expected like there's no, no shame in that. They need touch because several in several of the books, it's like, if I don't have touch, I'll be touch starved and that will put them in a bad mental place. So for her healing to happen and several mm -hmm. of the other characters, her brothers, Hawk, are, they all know this. It's like she needs touch and Judd's not going to be able to give that to her. So mm -hmm. is she going to be okay? Is she going to continue her healing if she can't have the touch? So she goes and seeks someone else out and she brings this person back to her den and flips the bleep out on him. Yeah. And it's not like, it didn't seem like he was, he did anything wrong per no, se. No, no, I don't think he did anything he wrong. wasn't like amazing, but you know, he wasn't a villain, but she just scratched up his face and then Judd comes in and threatens to kill him and nearly does kill him with his blind rage over. And then her brothers, there's a lot of, this poor man, you know, it's just like. Yeah. But I think it's because she kind of reverted into an episode back into what Enrique had done to her. She wasn't, she wasn't healed as, as well as she thought she was healed. And that, that's what I think is I think that she kind of regressed. But yeah, definitely. Reverted. But again, PTSD. I think. Yeah, it's total PTSD. But I think, I think again, that Singh handled this so well. Whereas someone who was abused was like, yeah, I'm fine. I got this. And like, no, no, mm -hmm. you're not fine. Because one of the number one things that you're going to need is you're going to need a loving, gentle touch. And this person that you're just trying to pick up He's not, he's not capable of giving that to you after uh, like a 30 minute conversation and then y'all running back to the room. That's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's always difficult. Like, okay. Yeah. She wasn't necessarily like physically sexually assaulted by Enrique, but he did assault her sexually with like other things, like not yeah. his body parts. So yeah. it's always difficult when you're dealing with that. I, I can't say, you know, how well or not, because I, I feel like. In real life, there's like often, and everyone heals differently, 
but even a, a, a stable, healthy, trust, trusting relationship is going to have issues when one of the partners has been traumatized in any way. So, you know, this is kind of what we kind of expect from that on the page in a romance novel. You know, it's she doesn't go the route where, oh, all of a sudden Judd heals her no. because with, no. with sex. Or, but it's also when they do have sex, she doesn't seem to have any issues which may or may not actually be realistic for people who have been victimized. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So since Sang dealt with that, I think now we can talk about the sex scene. <laughs> so there's character development that happens. You know, we finally, finally get it. Like, I was like, when are they going to kiss? I don't know. I don't think they, well, they, they make out, you know, in a couple scenes before this. But it, this only happens because after healing her brother, Judd is completely flamed out. Yeah. And so... He doesn't have any access to his mental powers, so he's not afraid he's going to hurt her with his TK cell abilities. So, yeah, they finally get down. And, and he comes in with a plan. Because he, he's been thinking about this for decades. Apparently. Oh, my gosh. He, well, he was thinking, it's, it's, yeah. <sighs> so I have a bit of an issue. <laughs> okay. my, my least favorite thing is when you have, people love virgin heroes. I love virgin heroes. I don't know that I'm a, well, I can be a fan, but I don't, but perfect, skilled virgin heroes, I take issue with. But it's a romance novel. So I don't know, there's certain things you're okay with, but this is where you draw the line? This is where I draw the line. You know why? <laughs> because there's a lot of of of, of expectations that we have in, 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 in romance sex. It doesn't happen in real sex. And yes, we will absolutely forgive it. But then... <laughs> When you have an inexperienced man who doesn't make a single mistake, like that's, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Like I, I have this, um, I have it here. I have this, um, this anthology that was published. Um, it's called how to write hot sex tips from multi-published erotic romance authors. And it was, um, compiled by uh, Shoshana Evers who tragically passed away. And in this, my favorite essay, I think Kara McKenna, yeah, Kara McKenna wrote it. It's called Real Ugly, where she says, and I, I bow to this, that um, have like one oops in your mm-hmm. sex scene, like have something just the same way that we're on, we put, we're put on a path and then there's a conflict. Mm-hmm. Like, I think this should happen in sex scenes too. And I, it's, it's so glaring when it's a, ver- a perfect virgin sex scene. I don't disagree. I'm a big fan of the oops in the sex scene too, but there's only certain kinds of books that have that or that do that. And this is not that kind. You know, we are in a fantasy world with people who turn into leopards. And <laughs> so we're going to have our oops free sex scenes. And I I wouldn't, I would think it would actually be out of place in this type of story. You have like more realistic romance authors who are going to give you like a Noelle Adams, for example, mm-hmm. it's all about the oops. It's all about the <laughs> awkward moments. And she's one of my autobi romance authors of just contemporary. Yeah. But she's all about the awkward moments, the misunderstandings of everyday life. And that's, that's how she writes her books, where you have someone who's more over the top, who is not going to give you anything approaching reality, because it's the total fantasy, even in the contemporary, of a romance. So when we're in this world, mm-hmm. there's a version of a fantastical paranormal romance world where there are the misunderstandings of everyday life and then you have room for the oops sex. But I don't think that's the world that Nalini Singh has created or is interested it in. It is not. She did it. I take your point that, yeah, but I don't have, I mean, I'm suspending lots of disbelief on many levels and I'm willing to give Judd the virgin expertise that he has. Speaking of suspension, <laughs> here I segue. This dude 
because before the sex scene, um, this dude he 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 channels all of his anger and his rage at something that happens into pleasing Brenna and freaking makes this woman levitate. Yes. Talk about fantasy. <laughs> levitate. He can later he touches her with his TK power like all over. Like he can extend the reach of all of his limbs and appendages with TK, which is like I don't feel like she she went as far as she could have gone there. <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> so yes, Judd is a virgin and he is an expert because he has done his research, which yay, go you guy. And he knows um, every cell of the human body. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So they have a lovely sex scene that is very hot and very, it's, I'm, I'm not saying it's not hot. I am not saying that at all. I'm just, I'm just like, really? He's perfect. I will get over myself. But after this, the bond is clearly um, formed. And she begins to also anchor him in what was his dissonance because he's about to break silence. But also they raise the stakes after the sex scene because he still believes that this relationship will leave him brain damaged. He could only have sex because he had flamed out. Mm -hmm. He thinks, how can I flame out some more so I can have sex more? <laughs> he's not even, at that point, he's still not like, I need to break silence. <laughs> he's not convinced yet. So I like that the stakes keep getting raised because it's like, well, I might kill her. Well, maybe if I don't kill her, my brain will explode because of the dissonance, you know, uh, and he's, he is bleeding from his ears still and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's still having some issues. Um, I think it's important to note, too, because we we brought up the, the idea that what is Judd's place in this pack? Mm -hmm. And um, after his dealings with... Um, the the hyenas and um and after his his saving Brenna's brother and basically repairing his heart, um Judd is not only uh given the rank was it lieutenant he's given yeah. the rank of lieutenant, and Hawk does a blood bond with him, mm -hmm. but also the rest of the pack, automatically accept him, which is interesting because now they're patting him on the back and they're talking to him and he's like whoa whoa it's not whoa. But that happens because he saved Andrew. It has, I think it's separate from him being a lieutenant, which I think is nice. It's not just because he was promoted. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. like you saved and you know, everybody loves Andrew, I guess. We don't know that much about him except he's kind of harsh to his sister. Mm -hmm. But he did this impossible thing. Yeah. Um, and they don't exactly know how. No, but they're not sharing his specific abilities. Yeah. But yeah, now he's embraced. Whereas before he was tolerated because the children... But he was always like one step in, one step out. So between Brenna, Andrew, and being a lieutenant, he has completely allowed himself to be included in this found family. So I know more stuff happens after this. But I was just like, yeah, okay, subplot. They do find the killer <laughs> on the page this time. We get to see him being taken down, right? Mm -hmm. And that was good. They don't kill him. They put him in jail. Um, and they, they discover that you because know, he he's a changeling. He was of this pack. He was a wolf. Yeah, he was selling drugs to them, and he was responsible for Brenna getting kidnapped. He was yeah. somehow working with Enrique for money. Just his mm -hmm. only motivation was money, and that huge betrayal. So we know he's going to die, uh, but we don't see it. Yeah, when Judd doesn't have to do it, you know, the pack justice because pack justice is is what it is. It's like they're very death penalty oriented mm -hmm. society. Mm -hmm. So, but it, I think come back from that. Right. Yeah. There's no, there's no rehabilitation. They don't have space for that. And this is, which is state. like this, which brings us back to the side then. Cause the side want to rehabilitate people. And it's like, you, you're, you're gonna, how can you come back from that? You're going to be basically a vegetable. Yeah. Well, cause their rehabilitation is only to make them a vegetable. There's not real, they're not trying to help anybody, you know? 
Um, the other thing that happens, we we first hear about Ashaya Aline, mm-hmm. who is the, the scientist behind Protocol One, and she's going to be important later. But we're getting so you know, Nalini Singh is planning out multiple books ahead. So as a pantser, you know, because mm-hmm. she must have in her mind, even if she never writes it down, what's happening because she's seeding this, she's seeding the ground. You know, she knows who the ghost is. She knows what's going on. She's giving us clues to lots of things in every book. Mm-hmm. We're working two or three books ahead. So I think that's also nice. Um, and it fits in. It's woven in in a way that, it, you know, you kind of just see her growing as a writer as she moves along, mm-hmm. which is also cool. Mm-hmm. And in the very end, we have this really lovely epilogue because also we didn't mention that one of the things that was taken away from her during her captivity, she can't shift into a wolf for the whole book. Oh, I forgot about that. And so we have this lovely epilogue where she finally gets to shift into a wolf again after she makes love to Judd. And it's so cathartic. It's like, because they've had such a long road, you know, like personally, I was frustrated because like, I like to get the kiss out of the way soon, like quickly, <laughs> at least by the midpoint. I don't think we had a kiss by the midpoint. I don't remember, but... I was like still at, you know, 75% in or 60% in like, okay, we've been through all of the drama with these people and we just, we want to luxuriate in the relationship some. And so I think we got a little bit of that in the epilogue where yeah. it's just joy and the joy of shifting and her life moving on and, you know, her healing progressing. Yes. Good job, Leslie, for, for, for bringing it home because, you know, after the sex scene, I was like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> you literally have no notes after the sex scene. I really don't. I really don't. I mean, I, I do, but I don't. Nothing. <laughs> like, yeah, this happened. Then this happened. But nothing that I want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, we have, I guess, other stuff. You know, we're seeing other characters mm-hmm. that are going to be in, coming into play more in the future, mm-hmm. and yeah, all of this, all of this good stuff, which is interesting because the next book. We're back with leopards and we haven't, we don't see Clay at all in this book. I don't think. No. Um, so she does sort of jump around, but I'm sticking here. I wonder what made her decide this order. Me too. I was thinking that when I was reading uh, book four, which we'll be talking about in two weeks, if you want to read along. Um, but yeah, we spent all this time with the wolves. We see a couple of leopards because they have to meet with Lucas. They go to Tamsin's house, the, the leopard healer, when Judd is attacked. So we're still touching base with some of the leopards and keeping that those storylines going. But for the most part, we're very wolf-centric and uh, kind of sigh-centric too with the sigh machinations that are happening. We get some scenes from the council's POV. We get touch in with Caleb. But uh yeah, the order is interesting. And I guess maybe it's the external order or maybe she just what she, whatever mm. she's like. But the first three seem kind of linked. They're very, mm-hmm. you know, we meet and Judd in the first book and we get all of that. Now we meet Clay in the first book too. And Clay is the hero of book four. We do not ever meet his love interest because she pops up new in book four. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, as it goes along, I just, I wonder if it's just inspiration striking or it's just in service to the larger story arc of, okay, now we have to get these people because we need them for books five and six and things like that. That's fair. But yeah, this was a, this was a good one. This was not necessarily my favorite, but this was definitely uh, one of my favorite heroines. Mm. It's one of my favorite heroes. <laughs> I do like Jed, but I, I like, you know, this the silent, literal strong silent type who 
is moved by love to have an emotion. I was writing like, is this a grumpy sunshine? I mean, not that Brennan is sunshine, but he's definitely grumpy. It's a, a, a version he's grumpy of- sassy. Grumpy sassy. Ooh, yes. Like yeah. That's good. I love a sassy heroine who was like, no, I want you. You need to get with the program. You have no choice. I love a woman who acts like that. And the guy's is like, wait, what? Yeah, she is very focused on her goals and getting what she wants. And mm -hmm. I love that about her. And it's sort of the opposite of Vaughn and Faith because she's pushing, she's Vaughn in this situation. Mm -hmm. And she's pushing, pushing at him. Like, this is this is what, not necessarily from a perspective of this is what you need, but this is, this is what I need. Yes. And you have to give me what I need. Yes. Which is great. That's a good point. It's totally reverse Vaughn and Faith. So yeah, up next, we will be talking about... Mind to Possess. Mind to and possess. You trigger warnings. This this is this is a tough one. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, but we will we will get into. It. I mean, she handles it well, but it is a tough one. So be aware. But yeah, I'm so excited to get through more of these books and and back in the world. When I'm not in the world, I feel like I want to be back in this oh, world, which that's is the best feeling. Yeah, it's the best feeling. It's the mark of just really great writing and storytelling and, world and even. And world building, yeah. And even in stories that aren't my favorite, it's like I'm still drawn through and, and drawn in. And and she's expanding and giving us more each time. So. Mm -hmm. so now it's time for Everyday Magic. And as what is a magical moment that happened in your life recently? It's happening while I am writing my current book. Um, and you just get those moments where things just click into place. Sometimes I'm just writing, I'm word vomiting on the page, just trying to get to the next chapter. But in the book that I'm currently writing, which is a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Um, yay. Yay. My favorite. I love Beauty and the Beast stories. I love any type of fairy tale retelling. I love to retell stories in a new and fresh way. Um, but in a sense, my, my beauty is the beast. And she has this, like, Leslie and I were just talking about Grumpy Sassy. And this is totally a Grumpy Sassy book. <laughs> so Leslie and I went to this um to this academic romance conference where we learned that there was uh, someone trying to build um, the biggest archive of black romance. And I totally stole that and gave that my job to my character, <laughs> gave it to my heroine. And so my heroine is trying to build um, this archive and um, she reaches out to, she reaches out for, for someone for help. She reaches out to her mother and it doesn't go the way that she wants, but it's, my heroine who because she loves romance novels so much she's afraid of relationships lasting too long because she knows they're going to come to a dark moment and she gets to the dark moment and it's not with the hero um it's with her mom and it 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 was really cathartic and i'm just i was really proud of myself for for figuring out how to make um this romance between this man and woman also be about her actual family so yeah, that was my 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 magical moment in the dark moment of my book. Magical moment of creativity. <laughs> what about you, Laz? So I have been doing these um, meditations on Friday morning. It's called Artist Morning. And it's a Zoom call basically with this meditation teacher who's a photographer in Canada. And there's like between 70 and 100 people usually on Zoom. And it's like 20 minutes of meditating and then you do 20 minutes of journaling. And then afterwards people can kind of share. And I really enjoy it. And this morning I did it. And it was just a beautiful meditation. I felt really moved. And then afterwards, when people were sharing, it, there were just so many interesting things came out and the community of strangers all over the world coming together to support people. And just the, the energy is so good and positive. 
and I highly recommend it. If you're interested, it's called Artist Morning. It's at artistmorning.com. It is every Friday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Um, and it's just a, a nice, beautiful way to start the day and to start with creativity and energy and love and meditation and quieting your mind and connecting with things. Um, so yeah, that was my everyday magic today. That sounds absolutely lovely. I might just have to check that out myself as well. Definitely should come. So that's another one in the can. So we want to thank you guys so much for joining us. And please do let us know what you think. You can leave a comment on YouTube with your thoughts on this episode. You could also share it with a friend who loves romance, particularly paranormal romance and Nalini Singh. But also make sure you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can always check out our book schedule on our website, inkandmagic.net, so that you can read along with us. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.